Hello and welcome to the Plantrepreneur Show. I'm Animesh, your host, and on this show, we invite small and big plant-based entrepreneurs, investors, consultants, and even experts uh, to listen to their story and dive deep into the insights of plant-based future and to understand how exactly they are contributing in it. Now, and for today's episode, I have Amit Grover as a guest whom I met on LinkedIn and and. Let me tell you a little bit about Amit. So Amit is a founder of and founder and a managing partner at Grover and Company. He's an aspiring venture capital fund manager and is looking to invest and partner with early age startups and venture owners that have market and customer validated products in plant-based food space. Amit has also held corporate positions in leading multinational organizations such as ITC Limited, Barista Coffee, company and Seagram Pernod Ricard. From humble beginnings in New Zealand to Grover and Company's expansion into Australia, United Arab Emirates and UK, Amit has come a long way in understanding the real impact of cross-border business on the small-medium enterprise. Now, in short, I would say he's a super energetic and mission-driven venture capitalist who is not with just money but also has been there in different shoes and has seen different kind of challenges in his 22 years of professional and entrepreneurial experience. And now he's ready to push mission-driven plantpreneurs to build and scale businesses while doing good for the planet. So, hi Amit, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. It's my pleasure, Animesh. Thank you, thank you. So, what part of the world are you in right now? I'm currently living in Dubai. And I had to relocate to London this year, but we all know the pandemic and COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So I am quite based in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates at the moment. Okay, great, great, great. So I'm super excited to talk to you about your experiences, the journey and the entire thing you have built so far. So before I get into this grower and company, I would love if you talk about your personal story from a young version of Amit, who was in India back then in college and then went on to do MB outside and then doing business and all everything you are doing right now. So tell us how you started in a brief and what were your goals in those times earlier back then? Sure, uh, it'll be my pleasure to kind of reflect on my life story yeah. that I don't get an opportunity generally to speak about. So I was raised in a middle class family, a service family. I was raised by a single parent. I uh, didn't have the I didn't have a father. I was raised with my mother, who was a single working mother. But my grandparents had a big role to kind of raise me. So I was born and bred in Delhi. I went to school in Delhi Public School, Arkipuram. I did my undergraduate study from the university and then kind of went on to work for a bunch of companies that you yourself mentioned. Mm-hmm. Now, I had a very, very modest upbringing, uh, you know, coming from a middle class, you know, service class values driven background where you know things were like you know let's put it this way we were very rich in love Mm. and uh you know i uh, have nothing much to complain i have a very loving family so i got a lot of attention from my aunts and uncles in fact for a long long time till my cousins were born i was the apple of their eye being the (laughs) eldest uh, you know cousin in the family so all the focus was in me Mm. so you know i had an amazing childhood really i mean it obviously had your own struggles to be a single parent child but you know i'd like to more concentrate on the goods that came out of it rather than the challenges because there's always two sides of a coin and i like to kind of refer to the coin that was you know really amazing 
you know, growing up with my aunts and uncles, growing up with my cousins, my friends. I've been very lucky to have some very, very dear friends on the journey that have stuck on to me. You don't believe that some of the friends that I have, I met them in my second standard and third standard and we still remain remain friends after all these years. Mm-hmm. So I consider myself very, very lucky and an amazing childhood full of love and affection. And, um, you know, I, I would say that in my journey, my family has a very big role in contributing to wherever I am in life. Lovely. Awesome. So how was your like journey in college and back? Like, how did you uh, go after that? Tell me about, uh, tell us about sure. that. Sure. Look, I, I think I, as, as an individual animation, I was very driven. Like I was just hungry to do stuff. And I always thought out of the box. At that time, it was a little kind of difficult for people to understand. You know, today it's much easier with all the entrepreneurship people speak about and all the awareness uh, that is there because of the social media. But I'm really rewinding back to, you know, mid-90s where, you know, things were still kind of, Delhi was still a very laid back and slow city. Mm -hmm. And growing up in that environment and being absolutely hungry for success. I mean, you know, I was hungry for success, Animesh, before even knowing what success really means. You know, changes as you kind of grow in life you know so um a very super driven guy i was always trying to do some part-time jobs even while studying to be very honest uh you know i was not very bright in studies Mm -hmm. uh that is because i never had my focus there i mean it's only taken me so many years to really realize that it's not the really marks that really matter it's your focus you know and 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 uh, and conviction on things that you believe in but growing up i was never a very strong student so i was definitely not in cliche the iit im types (laughs) to be very honest i was more of a street smart kind of a guy trying to kind of learn things on my own as we go in the journey of life Uh, but having done that i i graduated school and went to the university i made some amazing friends so i I started Bachelors of Business very early in the day and it was one of those very first courses launched by the university back in the day. I was one of the very first batches to study Bachelors of Business because before that was all about BCom honors and economics honors. And look, like I was never bright, I never went and studied sciences. I was quite happy to study commerce and kind of while my time with the boys hanging around at bunking school. So let me put it this way. I've had a very normal kind of childhood where I've bunked school, I've got into fights, I've been punished by the principal, I've kind of got frequent beatings from my parents <laughs> while going up. And it was a really pain, uh, you know, really pain in their neck, uh, you know, if I may say like that. Yeah. So a very regular childhood where you are mischievous, you are naughty, you make mistakes, you learn from your mistakes. You know, nothing out of the ordinary, right? Mm, correct, correct, correct. Yeah. So how did the MBA journey started? I mean, uh, what made you do MBA yes. outside India look, and all these things? I yeah, Absolutely. So uh, look, somehow uh, from a very young age, Animesh, I always wanted to go overseas. And mm-hmm. I was very curious about how the world outside India is. Yeah. I mean, during the times we were growing up, we could only see overseas in movies and a few TV series. Uh, that too in the cable TV. Yeah. We never had internet at the scale that you have today. So I was very, very curious when, when my friends would go overseas for a holiday and come back and, you know, describe their entire experience. And my eyes would pop out. I'm like, wow, you know, there's a world beyond India, which is so big. So that was always in me. I mean, however, I didn't have an opportunity to go early in my life. 
But having gone through my multinational experience and built some, you know, work experience, I, I mean, when I went for my MBA animation, I had no idea that I'm going to become an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. nor I had any plans in mind in a structured way. My, I, I always had an entrepreneurial drive, but there was nothing structured. I came from a family that believed in that, look, you've got to get into a good company. You've got to do well in your company, eventually get married, have a bunch of kids and settle down. You know, a traditional Indian yeah. kind of outlook towards your journey of life. And uh, because I didn't have a father figure of sorts, I looked at my uncle and kind of really, uh, you know, found him as a father figure in my life and kind of wanted to follow his footsteps. So he worked in ITC all his life and he he retired as a very senior man in ITC Mm -hmm. recently. But, you know, so that was the path in terms of the corporate, uh, you know, what I I kind of found uh, was what there was for me. Uh, So I kind of you know, decided that, look, it's a great opportunity to go for an MBA, you upskill your academia, and you get to see a part of the world and probably settle down in that environment out there. So that was the motivation of really going. And like I said, I was never brilliant to get into Oxford, Harvard with a scholarship or something (laughs) like that. So, I mean, you know, you have to choose the lowest hanging fruit and New Zealand really was from both from an affordability point of view, as well as, you know, what a student of my caliber could probably score. Mm. Great, great, great. Yes. So like that, yes. the, the MBA was the, you know, a kind of first step towards your business world and marketing and then you did all these things afterwards. Not really. MBA actually was not the first step. MBA was the entire ecosystem. Okay. I had very different views on what I'm going to do in an MBA because till such time, I'd only heard from people who had gone to FMS in Delhi or IIM Ahmedabad mm-hmm. that what an MBA program is. You know, my whole perception of what an international MBA changed when I went to Wellington, the capital city of New Zealand, with just a very small population, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And I was in a batch of 14 full-time MBA students, international students. And this whole journey where you collaborate with people from different countries, different experiences, you collaborate with some of the world-class faculty who come from Australia and New Zealand who are teaching you different subjects Mm -hmm. or lecturing you about different subjects. And the whole process of going through internship with companies, applying the subject that you learn in a real life project with a group of people. I honestly, Animesh, between you and me, I found my MBA journey truly transformational. It transformed me into ways that I couldn't believe. I mean, from being a very mediocre student to actually kind of doing super well in my MBA and acing all the subjects. And, you know, I have had the very rare opportunity, which most of my batchmates in the FBA haven't had. I mean, most of them have even gone into finance or into marketing or into sales. Some of them have gone into human resources. I actually went into management consulting and built my business where I got to apply every single subject that I studied in my MBA towards <laughs> helping small medium companies build a strategy, execute a strategy, build their business plan. And I was very fortunate till today. I, I, I actually use every single subject taught to me in my MBA at an everyday level. Now, this is something a surprising thing for me because, you know, people say that MBA, whatever they have studied in MBAs is of no use to their real business or real world they are working in. So, so oh, I, I, I think I have a very different view on that. I think I am what I am in terms of what I do today. If I probably didn't go to New Zealand for my MBA, uh, you know, I would stick on to brand marketing and keep being in that line. Uh, I mean, I, obviously, I would rise as a very senior marketing man in a multinational. But to be able to look at a company from an eagle's point of view mm-hmm. and look at every department that contributes towards the success of the company, it's really MBA that helped me see it that way. So 
So like after yeah. listening to you, it seems like you were surrounded by business and marketing stuff all the time since you you were started. But it's a kind of uh, kind of breathing business every day. Now you have also mentioned uh, to me earlier that you turned vegan back then. Like it's been a long time. So how long have you been vegan for? And like which is a fantastic thing, obviously. And tell us about that phase. How did it happen? And how uh, like was it challenging initially to you? Well, it, it you know there's a story behind that. Like it's a story after every human being who's turned vegan. So in 2013, I found myself on a business trip to India, in 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 Chennai, where I fell very very sick, Animesh, to a point where I was flying to Bangalore, and the moment I reached Bangalore, I was hospitalized, uh, and I came out out of 45 days being in the Malia Hospital in Bangalore. and i lost 7 feet of my internal intestines now i was diagnosed with a very rare condition of a clot in my intestines and generally you know clots happen in art, uh, veins not in arteries but my clot happened in arteries which was a main supply line of your body so it was a touch and go situation to be very honest it was a fight struggle for life fight for life i've never found myself in a situation like that uh, you know in my life so i went in went into the hospital came out out of 45 days and i think when i came out animesh honestly i was a changed man i'll tell you in how ways before rewinding back before my surgery i was the man who went through probably two packets of cigarettes a day okay. you know mm-hmm. and i was a man who kind of drank quite frequently and partied like there is no tomorrow uh you know so most of the vices that you can kind of think of yeah. i think after the surgery there was a very strong change in me you know most people would slow down and most people would reflect on life what you know because they've almost like come out of a life changing experience mm-hmm. but for me my dream got even uh, more fiercer and i started realizing that if you want to kind of build something see i always had a dream of becoming big in life mm-hmm. there's no two ways and i think i had that dreams in school uh, you know it manifested in different ways as i grew mm-hmm. in life so that was obviously given i wanted to become very big and um, you know that's when i thought that look there's always a sacrifice in life to what you want to achieve mm-hmm. that's when after the surgery animesh i started talking about health i started getting into what is good for you what is bad for you so i gave up smoking overnight so the last cigarette i smoked mm-hmm. i can i even remember the date was 30th of april 2013 wow. and we are sitting today in 2020 past the 7 year mark and i've not touched a cigarette in my life the last drink i had mm. you know the last drink i had was 24th of march 2013 lovely and here we are today you know i have never kind of touched alcohol in my life so i gave it or gave all this up overnight and i kind of embarked a journey on life where i you know i wanted to live healthy i wanted to do well by the planet and you know it kind of taught me life is short i was about to lose lose my life at 35 years of age and i'm like there's no guarantees in life so if life is short then you are in a hurry to achieve what you want to achieve because who knows whether there's a next life or not yeah. you know i can dwell into hindu philosophy but i don't want to mm. but the reality is that you know kind of that kind of put me on the fifth gear that look since nothing is sure about life you got to achieve your dreams you got to be healthy you got to be sustainable for the planets and i think one of the big transformations that happened i didn't become vegan then I actually started giving up a lot of toxic food so how it all started is I gave up red meat completely mm. so I stuck to chicken and fish slowly and slowly you know this journey has evolved to be a flexitarian then I gave up eggs and only started having egg whites I gave up the egg yolk mm. I gave up red meat then I slowly gave up chicken only stuck to fish mm. like that it happened it's only when I came to Dubai in 2000 
and um, beginning of 2017 okay. that I turned into a hundred percent vegan, where I gave up dairy, I gave up yogurt, I gave up animal fat, uh, you know, and I turned a hundred percent vegan from there. You know, because one of the uh, one of the I, I I must say one of the documentaries that really inspired me to be vegan is uh, you know Game Changers yeah. by one of my favorite people in the world, James Cameron. He makes some of the most amazing movies. We've grown up seeing his movies, yeah. and that whole documentary, the way I saw things, and you know, a lot of people don't understand. But when I saw Novak Djokovic mm-hmm. winning the Wimbledon against Roger Federer, and by the way, Roger Federer is my favorite sports star. I mean, I I could kind of watch Roger Federer twenty four hours a day. <laughs> when I saw Roger Federer losing from a match point and Novak Djokovic taking it, and when I learned Novak Djokovic is a vegan and how it's helped him kind of in ways, I think these small things put together and kind of really made me go towards you know identifying the you know things that come with a vegan lifestyle that you're putting healthy food, you're putting clean food, you're eating less less toxic food uh you know and and and, and that has a long term effect on your health and your even your mental ability to think clearly mm. great great yeah. i love that thing because yeah. you know like it's a game changer documentary was a actually game changer for you yes. in every aspect it was it was for me for me it was absolutely mm. i wouldn't lie about it for me it was absolutely a game changer lovely lovely i love that kind of you know transformation yeah. in, when people turn to vegan diet or plant based diet lovely so let's yeah. let's talk about the grower in company a little bit like tell us about sure. uh, tell us about like what is grower in company exactly and what it was back then in 2007 when it was started and what it is right now right. what do you guys do there and all these things uh, you have sure. pillars around it so uh, tell us about that absolutely so look uh, like you said grover and company started in new zealand in wellington in 2007 as a management consulting practice okay so what i essentially wanted to do animesh i wanted to kind of get all my professional experience that i'd gained in the corporate world mm-hmm. coupled that with the mba knowledge which could structure that experience and deliver a model to small business in a way that could help them grow mm-hmm. now obviously new zealand is a very small country and hence it's very export focused so i kind of found this great opportunity to actually uh you know work with small medium companies and advise them on many kind of subjects one of the big subjects that i specialized in was international business so how would a small company scope a market decide to kind of expand in a market what kind of business model would they adopt what would their pricing strategy be what would their manufacturing and uh, sourcing strategy be so a complete turnkey project starting from scoping a market to building a business model to looking at what kind of commercial partnerships would work in that market and 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 what kind of capital is needed to be able to do that i started advising companies from all shapes and sizes to be able to do that so in this journey i've worked with hundreds of companies in 14 years and um, you know start, my first project i still remember very fondly was early child education amazing kind of experience new zealand is absolutely the world leader in early and primary education yeah. you know i i did that as my first project i think my second project i still remember uh, was you never forget your first five yeah. so my second project uh, was one of the largest architecture companies in 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 new zealand and australia that was that is really responsible for building and designing half of auckland half of wellington and a greater part of melbourne they've been a company for 80 years in new zealand and they've gone through four generations in terms of management 
and I worked with them and I helped them get into India and the Middle East. You know, I started working with this architecture firm and my project was to take them outside of New Zealand. So I helped them expand into India and the Middle East. And I learned everything about construction and architecture when I had no background in it. I mean, by the end of that experience, I can tell you, Animesh, I was speaking like an architect. And I could understand most things architect people kind of understand. So that was my second project. And then I moved on to a bunch of projects in the food and beverage industry. I helped a coffee chain expand outside of New Zealand into America. Then kind of I, I worked with a couple of more building and construction people. I worked with a skincare company and helped them, helped them you know, go into China and do a mega multi-million dollar business with their skincare products. So this journey really has been consulting and advising small companies on how to expand internationally. This is what we did for 13 years. I expanded the practice, like I, I think mentioned to you before as well, it was a very organic growth for me. Now, in this journey, obviously, there have been a lot of ups and downs. I mean, business comes with its ups and downs. I've seen days that I've slept in my car because I couldn't pay rent. I've seen days where, you know, I've been on the streets, even with an MBA, you know, kind of washing dishes and stocking milk cans so that I don't have to take a job and keep investing in my company and get to work. Uh, Animesh, in my journey of life, I can very confidently say I have never and I have never ever taken a shortcut in life, even if I've had to pay a big price. But I very early on in life understood there are no shortcuts. You have to go through the journey. You have to go through the drill. And the other side, you will come as a winner and the other side. You just have to have the confidence in yourself, no matter even if the world is falling apart. Now, a lot of people call me eccentric. A lot of people call me crazy that why would you go through tough times, not come back to India? You have, you know, so many people, you have family. I'm like, if I, I've, I've never been a person who will run away from a situation. End of the day, I believe in business and everybody's life cycle of business. They will face some very, very tough moments in life. And I've had to do that. So I've kind of gone past that, expanded to Australia. I was one of those very early people running a small company in New Zealand that expanded to Australia because, you know, it's like a syndrome, a big brother, small brother syndrome where New Zealand companies generally are not seen very favorably in Australia. They feel that, you know, it's a small country and what are they going to tell us? I was one of the yeah. first people within my professional and social circle in New Zealand that expanded very successfully to Australia and started picking up clients to work with. Now, that journey led me to kind of come to Dubai in 2017 to expand the practice in, in, in the Middle East. So I started looking at projects in Dubai, in Abu Dhabi, in Saudi Arabia. I made some very frequent trips to both Saudi Arabia, Oman and Kuwait and started understanding how business is done in the Middle East. Um, you know, early this year, I think it was February, the 1st of February, we re-domiciled our headquarters from Auckland, New Zealand to London, because I think based on two reasons, number one, I wanted to tap into the Europe and the UK market in a big way. Like, you know, you don't want to be a small player in a very small pond. You know, oh, I'm a yeah. man with very big ambitions. I wanted to sit on the table with big boys and say that, yes, I don't come, come from money. Yes, I don't come from influence, but I have enough grit to give you a run for your money, you know? So it's kind of yeah. telling people that a small small guy can do it, man. It's not impossible. So I made my way into London 
And with obviously at that stage, we had also decided that we are going to transit from being a consulting company to a venture capital company. So obviously for me, it was the first time I was doing this. So that really, you know, access to that kind of a market in London and, uh, you know, the Europe, the European Union was very critical to delivering this new direction that, you know, we had kind of taken. So that's a little bit about my consulting and management consulting background. Now, obviously, I've talked about how I became vegan. So that was always in my mind. And that was a subject I was studying a lot. I was researching a lot. I was coming across a lot of these interesting companies doing a lot of work in that space early in the day. Right. And, uh, you know, when I decided to become a venture capitalist, so I... Uh, you know, thought that, look, you know, I I could A, become a very traditional venture capitalist who would say that, look, I'm going to go to high net worth individuals, mm-hmm. ask for their money and manage their money, invest in 100 companies, taking small position and in court call it a very risk management based approach that you take small, small positions in multiple companies. And then you kind of assume that most of those companies won't do well. And the few yeah. that will, will mitigate the risk for the companies exactly. that don't do well. And look at it as a balanced risk-managed portfolio. They love using fancy words in this industry, I can tell you that. But as simple as that, you know what I'm talking about, being an entrepreneur yourself. But I wanted to do this completely different. One of the things that really drives me on animation life Mm -hmm. is to build a business brick by brick, stage by stage. I think the whole process of taking a small business and building it stage by stage and delivering that to the world is a very fulfilling and a very satisfaction Uh, based approach for at least me individually i love that journey i Mm. would shoot myself in the head like a lot of people told me amit you're a smart guy why don't you play in stocks i'm like i find it boring if making money was the only objective there's so many things that you could really do to make money you know so i couldn't just sit on the side and invest money and see my investment grow organically i wanted to take a very important role in growing that Uh, You know, I had my own ideas, I had my own drive, I had my own vision. So I devised a model where I would work with 25 to 30 companies in the plant-based space, cell-based space, and epigenetics. I will touch on that in this interview, but I decided that I'm only going to work for a a small number of companies so that me and my small team can get hands-on involved into that and really grow these companies both locally and internationally and really help them address every hurdle they come on the way. And money is a small part. Animation, let me tell you, people are mistaken. Money is actually the smallest thing. Your knowledge, your connections, your understanding of how business is grown is everything. Money is the easy part. Anybody can cut you at a check. But very few people will actually get involved in a hands-on capacity and hold your hand and help you go step by step because they know the journey. Now, a lot of VCs, you know, have their own approaches and rightfully so. I'm not here trying to criticize anybody. But Mm. when I kind of meet a lot of venture capitalists in the investment community, I ask them one question, Animesh. How many businesses have you built yourself? How many days have you slept without food? How many times would you have to fight competition and still succeed? Tell me how many businesses you've built from zero to 100 yourself without any support. And then let's talk about how much do you know how to build a business? So I think in my journey, when I, that's a tough question. And in my journey, when I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, they connect with me there because I'm a small business Mm -hmm. owner myself. Till 2019, December, I was running a small business that expanded to multiple countries. Mm. So, so, you know, I'm putting where my money, I'm putting my mouth where my money is. So the, 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 the reality is that I, I, I devised a model that allowed me to work with a, a small number of firms and hence invest 
largely in them in terms of my size of investments are a little more. I'll tell you the philosophy of that as well. I find it absolutely ridiculous when companies every two to three years or one to two years go in the market looking for additional capital. So they call it seed, pre-seed, series A, series B, series C, and the bloody list is on, on you know, uh, unlimited. And what every stage of capital raise does is dilute everybody in the company. I wanted to look at a model that, look, man, I want to not keep going to the market. I want a situation where I can address the next two to three to even four years of your growth. And then Mm -hmm. we will revisit what kind of money you need. So Mm -hmm. I started kind of, you know, meeting a consortium of people and marketing this idea. Literally from the middle of January, Animesh, to the end of February, I've been on a world tour. I've been to Europe, multiple cities. So I was in Amsterdam, Dunhag, Luxembourg, and Belgium. Then Mm -hmm. I kind of traveled back to London to do my meetings. I traveled back to Dubai. Then I went to Singapore and Hong Kong. Then from there, I flew to Auckland, New Zealand, spent about a couple of weeks in Auckland, then went to Melbourne and Sydney, meeting people and marketing this whole idea to family offices that, look, you know, I want to form a consortium that will allow me to do that. And when I Mm. came back, a lot of people said that this is a very different way of thinking, very unique way of thinking. I'm like, there's nothing unique about it. This is what we call back to basics. End of the day, Animesh, when people talk about organic food, what are they really talking about? What our forefathers used to do? They used to grow food without fertilizers, chemicals and pesticides. And, you know, Mm. the yield will be lower. That's what our great grandparents used to do. And we've gone back to eating like that. Like, you know, in the 90s and the early 2000s, nobody ate grains full grains like, you know, mm. jowar and makki and all that that comes in India. Today, every nutritionist is telling you to go and eat ancient grains as a part of your diet. <laughs> so we're really going back in time and adopting what our forefathers had. Same mm. with exercise. When you're trying to lose weight, there are different exercise programs that take you through. So one of these are called functional training, which is essentially nothing. But they've looked at the old way of life where people used to cut wood. They used to carry logs Farming. behind their yeah. back up there. And they're replicating those exercises in the gym. So it's basically going back to how our uh, you know, ancestors used to live. And as a result, their life was very fit. So it's similar with investment, Animesh, that mm-hmm. I want to be able to build a company that is not necessarily with a focus that I have to sell it in five years. So I'm only investing in this company because I will turn it around and a big company will come knocking on my door and buy me at 20 times the value. I'm not saying on the journey, I'm not going to entertain deals, but that is not the single motivation I'm driven by to invest in a company. I want to build a company that's sustainable. When I mean it's sustainable, it's not only the products that are good for the environment and the ecosystem. It's also the business model that has sustainability at the core, which means every company's growth has to be sustainable. Otherwise, you'll fall over. Every company has to innovate at the center strategy because If you don't innovate, you're out of the market before you've got in. It's a rapidly changing environment today. Every company has to view its team members and its employees as stakeholders. They are as responsible for building your business as the founders are. So a very Mm. partnership-based and very collaboration-based approach and mindset. And the last thing. A good business has to give returns to shareholders, including the founders. If you're not paying dividends or you're not generating profit, no matter how you kind of market it or position it or camouflage it, at least to me, it's bad business, basically. So with these principles, I went on to kind of, um, you know, uh, market my plan to high net worth individuals and family offices around the world, uh, you know, who would uh, joint venture with me in this exercise. And they all said that, Amit, it's very refreshing hearing you talk about 
you know, a very solid fundamental principle business rather than this whole valuation game that people keep talking about. You know, 3x, 5x, 10x, 20x, 30x as you go around different industries. And one of the big reasons, uh, Animesh, also behind this is I've rarely seen what happened in the global financial crisis in 2008 and in the COVID-19, how much wealth got wiped out, how many jobs were lost, how many, you tell me, I, for the life of me, I don't understand that companies like JCPenney, Companies mm. like, you know, big companies, mate, these are companies, retail companies like Brook Brother, Brooks Brothers that have been around for 20 years, 30 years. How come three months of lockdown makes them bankrupt and they file for Chapter 11? I just don't understand. Mm. That, that means their operating leverage is so bad and their business, uh, you know, the whole model is so flawed with greed that they can't even sustain more than three months, uh, three months, a company that's been around for 30 years. So yeah. those things started kind of making my model even more aggressive, that we got to talk sustainable, we got to talk making profits, we got to talk making that a business, whether it changes hands or it remains in our portfolio for 10 to 15 years, it's going to be a business that will make money, it's got to be a business that will add value to the shareholders, and it's got to be a business that will innovate with new product offerings and adapt to the market and be around. Lovely, lovely. I love that kind of perspective because, you know, we hear a lot of times, you know, like the venture capitalists are, you know, you mentioned the right point because even they had not done any kind of business, they just give money and they are the firms, right? So they get money from somewhere, banks and all these people and they just yeah. invest and make their own money. So that is the kind yeah. of model which is usually seen in the market. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Sure. I, I remember this thing, like you must be, uh, you must uh, have come across this guy, this this sir called uh, Khosla Ventures, the Khosla, we know Khosla, right? So he, 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 talks, he talks about this thing that, you know, venture, they call themselves venture assistant, not venture capitalists, yeah. because they assist the uh, young entrepreneurs in that way. So that is a kind of yeah. uh, exciting thing for young entrepreneurs. Sure, so, sure. Te tell me about uh, how this plant-based thing, like your transition to plant-based mm -hmm. diet and all this thing affected yeah. this yeah. grower and company's mission right now. And what exactly do you look for in an entrepreneur at this stage? Because I, in, in our audience, many must be entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. Sure. So what exactly do you look sure. for in an entrepreneur at this stage? I think our, our Grover & Company's mission goes to be very honest. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I never devised a mission when I was starting my consulting business. My only okay. mission was to help companies grow outside their market. And I've very successfully done that with a number of companies over the last 13 years. Now, when I kind of started getting in the plant base, I started looking at, you know, things that are changing the whole ecosystem animation that we stay in. You know, mm. for start, I mean, it's not directly related, but it's got a big point to play in it. I'm an absolute hardcore animal lover. You know, mm. I've, I've always had dogs since the day I was born. My whole family are animal loving family. So yes. I think somewhere down the line, I felt very responsible while I was eating my non-vegetarian food with a lot of passion, um, you know, and I come from a family who loves food. So we've mm. kind of, you know, lived for food, really, to be very honest. So yeah. I think every time, uh, you know, in the last four or five years, I would consume non-vegetarian and I would find myself very guilty and I would not understand why am I going through this transition and change. And I kind of really started uh, seeing that, look, I got to make a difference from my end. I'm not here to change the world. I don't claim anything like that, but I'm here to do my bit, you know, whatever, however small that might be. So I think going to a plant-based diet was also partly that I, want, I, I my love for animals and I didn't want to, want to see them suffer. 
Now, when I started getting in the sector, like your question, what I look in entrepreneurs. Now, obviously, you would understand working in consulting for 13 years and hundreds of companies. I've come across a lot of entrepreneurs in my life. So the uh, what an entrepreneur is and what their DNA is, I've seen it from 400 different angles in my life. So I've got nice. a good experience to kind of understand, you know, which entrepreneur is driven and who's just all about faff and rubbish. You know, okay. I mean, experience gives you that. So I think, you know, what I look forward is definitely the drive, a product that is very in line with the market demand. Like I said before, I prefer working with products that are already in the market and validated by customers. I am not necessarily rev uh, driven by revenue or driven by uh, how much profit or loss you're making. I really don't care about that. The whole point of my uh, coming in partnership with the company is to make them grow beyond they can't even dream that they'll grow. So I'm not very fussed about that. As long as the product is market validated and customer validated, I'm quite happy to partner with them. If the product has an IP based, it could be converted into an intellectual property. Very, very good. Um, if not, then we'll figure out the ways to do it. We've got a lot of kind of, uh, you know, people that we know in the food science and the nutrition kind of area. So we will combine our resources to make them an IP and to expand them. So really to answer your question, I look at the human being more than the venture animation because you, I don't know what others do, um, you know, and I don't want to kind of replicate anybody's model, but I can very loudly speak about mine and I invest on the individual. And so, so, so in terms of percentage, 70% of my decision is based on who is behind the idea and 30% is just the idea. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Totally, totally. So with this, I'm really sure that this is going to be a great pivot for a grower and company in terms of, you know, uh, starting and for, to look for plant-based uh, opportunities and, and also the great opportunity for plant-based uh, business owners to grab it and do amazing things for planet and people out there. So uh, uh, what is the best way to reach out to you if someone from the audience who might be listening Absolute, or might be watching this thing? Always open what is the best way to reach out to you? And, I and generally how, like how to kind of, I'm available on LinkedIn. That the best way to reach out with me is honestly on the website. I mean, you know, we can kind of uh, reach out on the website and, you know, they can write to me. My email is there. Uh, you know, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I actually find LinkedIn as a very powerful tool. We met on LinkedIn, so we know that. Yes. So I think, uh, you know, LinkedIn is a very powerful tool to be able to uh, then kind of leverage your connections and networks. So I'm quite quite flexible and open to meeting new people and kind of exploring people's projects. I mean, you know, I'm actually quite accessible, to be honest. Yeah, mm. yeah. It seems like you are super active these days on LinkedIn. So yes. LinkedIn must be a great place to, you know, yes, reach out to you. Absolutely. I'm super active on LinkedIn and I'm also being uh, getting very super active in uh, different incubators and accelerators that help startups mm -hmm. and early stage companies to be able to a talk about my investment philosophy talk about how i see the plant based ecosystem and talk about how i can help entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and young uh, early stage ventures to succeed so i am actually active on a number of platforms recently i have been kind of initiated into cradle which is a, a incubator out of mumbai uh, very recently i have also become the part of the humane international entrepreneurship program uh, plus, uh, you know, the investor, uh, you know, there's a nutrition investor publication in the UK that also is working with mm -hmm. me to introduce what I'm trying to do to a wide variety of the, you know, kind of food ecosystem globally. 
So I'm trying to get active on many platforms and many avenues to reach out to entrepreneurs, um, you know, and kind of understand how I can help them. Lovely. Awesome. That sounds great. I mean, you are just, you know, like it's the right time to, you know, jump into that. So, yes. All right. Awesome. So thank you so much, Amit, for taking sure. out your time and being on this Plantepreneur show. Thank and you. since you are in Dubai, so maybe after a few months, I would love to meet you and say, see you in India someday. Absolutely. If you are planning to come I, over I'm here. Definitely, definitely. I really hope that our conversation in this episode would help many plantepreneurs and young entrepreneurs in doing what they are doing more effectively and probably they can reach out to you for more help and some investment talks if you are interested. So hmm, correct. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. I, I think I, I couldn't find any kind of super energetic VC earlier and this is the time I'm like uh, super excited about you. So thank you so much and and I really appreciate your time and would love to see you very soon. So thank you so much. Okay. Take care.